Hello and welcome to the Success Secret Podcast with Rosso Santalev. I am excited to introduce you to a series of conversations with some of the most successful and inspiring individuals from various industries. My aim is to dive into the stories behind their success and explore the knowledge, strategies, habits, mindsets, and wisdom that have propelled their success. Each episode of the Success Secret Podcast will feature a different guest who will share their unique journey, the challenges they faced, and the lessons they have learned along the way. I will also be covering topics from entrepreneurship and innovation to leadership and personal development. Whether you are an inspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business professional, or just someone looking to improve your life, the Success Secret Podcast is for you. My goal is to bring you valuable insights and inspiration that will help you achieve your own success in business and life. So get ready to learn and be inspired. The Success Secret Podcast starts now. So in this episode, we are going to be talking about the four areas of leadership development to grow a business. So every business suffers and struggles of lack in leadership in one of these four areas. Leadership, someone leading themselves or leading their team or leading customers or clients or leading into the market. So my guest, Robert Green, he is the owner of Melbourne Business Advisors and he helps business owners increase cash flow. He's the author of Simple PNL System and a veteran volunteer business mentor with the Women's Business Center We Venture at Florida Institute of Technology. So, Robert, welcome to this episode of the Success Grid podcast. I'm uh, honored to have you here on this episode. I'm honored to be here too, Hussein. Thank you so much for allowing me to be a guest. Awesome to have you. So first of all, because this is the Success Secret Podcast, the first question is, what do you think success is? Or how would you define success to yourself? And what do you hear other people say success is? Okay, to me, success is living life on your own terms. Um, and and what whatever that means to the individual. And that's going to be different between you and me and everyone that's that's viewing this. Um, but to me, success is, is being able to enjoy your life. However, however you choose to do that in your business, uh, I consider, you know, success being able to own your business, not be owned by your business. Uh, and, and that includes having the ability to have the financial and time freedom components that allow us to live the life that we want without, um, feeling the constraints of, of financial stress or situational stress. Um, so in, in, a, in a very, you know, in a very generic way, that's my definition of success. Uh, I think success is arbitrarily given attributes uh, to help define it of making a specific dollar amount per year or um, having a specific goal typically they're financially defined but not always financially defined by most people Um, or maybe it's a performance specific level of success um, that that is otherwise measured Um, and and i think that that's that's it i think that's it Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, 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 is, it is very important that each one of us have their own definition. And as you mentioned, a lot of us connected to money, how much money we have in the bank. But it's actually more than that. It could be uh, about how what we achieve. If we failed, we go again and try to do it another time. 
and helping the people around us. A lot of things. So it's very important to have our purpose in place. So now uh, you have uh, Melbourne Business Advisors. You own that business and you are helping people or leaders in businesses achieve their business success and grow their business. As a, and also, as I mentioned, there are uh, four areas of leadership, which is like very new to me. I have never thought of leadership being these four things. So first of all, do you think each business should have a leader? I, absolutely, each business should have a leader. And leadership can, you know, can come from anywhere in the organization. Uh, if you have a, a small organization, typically uh, we start a business by ourselves. And if we don't start to hire, the owner becomes overwhelmed with all the activities that are involved in driving that business and fulfilling that business. Um, and so I think that one of the first things that we need to learn is how to lead ourselves and to do the things that we need to do in order to be successful. But that immediately implies that we need to start hiring help to achieve our goals, which, which is, which uh, the United States Census Bureau published a statistic recently saying that the average solopreneur generates an average of $47,000 US in annual revenue. But when you have between one and four employees, when you're in that, that's the next size category is one to four employees, those businesses generate $364,000 in revenue. By, this, by the nature of having employees, there certainly needs to be some leadership of your team to achieve those results. And part of that is knowing that you need to delegate and you need to coach and you need to challenge your team to, to align their vision and their goals with your goals, with the goals of the business to be successful. So that's very important. Now, as you mentioned, it could be the owner who's leading the way sometimes some employees might lead the way. Now, I assume having the owner lead the way is better than having the employees because sometimes there might be some kind of a conflict in that, right? It, some kind of conflict might happen in the business if the owner is not actually who's leading the pack, I would say, like the wolves. So... <laughs> The the wolves I have seen some pictures and when for example wolves go in packs so the leader walks or uh, is the last one behind all of the all of the other wolves so the, the, it's basically doing everything it can to protect and provide and a lot of these things but anyways so uh, uh, now how do we make sure that the people that we are for example bringing into the business because as you mentioned if we are want to grow the business it is like for impossible to grow a business to a certain amount if we are solopreneurs we have to get some people in so what are the best like what are the best criteria for for these type of people who are will have Eventually, because these people are not the owners of the business, so no matter how much you motivate them money-wise, for example, they are not maybe not going to have the same vision for the business. So how do we put them in that place? Okay, so, so I think there's a couple of things that we have to do as the founding leader for this business. Uh, first, we have to define clearly what our mission, vision, and values are. And we need to make it part of our culture 
And, and to do that, we typically need to have reminders of these concepts of mission, vision, and value printed out and available to remind us everywhere. What is, what is important to the company? Why is, what, do, what do we need to align our personal mission, vision, and values with to achieve the corporate mission, vision, and values, right? Uh, I think that during the interview process, when you're hiring, we need to ask better questions. We need to find out who the person truly is and what motivates them so that we can help align with their goals. They're going to be happier. They're going to be more willing to do things for us if we're achieving their goals and our goals at the same time. Um, I think, though, that the concept of having someone else driving the business is something that a solopreneur needs to be able to do, though. It's a very critical skill because at some point, your business is not sellable as, your part, as part of your exit strategy. Your business is not sellable if you are the business. So you need to have people, professional management, you need to have professional fulfillment capabilities uh, in place so that, you have the, so that you can sell this asset at some point in the future. And you will not be selling yourself. You'll be selling a company at that point, which is much more valuable than one individual. But if we limit our business to only the owner's capacity, then we've, we have left money on the table and the asset really becomes a, uh, an extinguishable value. value. There's, it, it's not worth as much as you think it is at that point if you are the business. Because if something happens to you, uh, then your business is not going to survive. And we want a transferable asset, meaning that you know, if, if, if something were to happen to the owner, what happens to your business? Is it transferable to your, to your uh, benef beneficiaries? Is it transferable to another owner uh, that can allow it to continue to operate? Um, you know, will, will any investors or shareholders be able to help direct the, the future of that company? So, so having, having, bringing people up to replace you is not a bad thing. Um, and you can still provide guidance whether and participate as much as you wish in the business while you're trying to lead your people to grow with the company and take it into places that you couldn't imagine. Hmm. So this is very important what you're talking about here, like the, the eventually the business itself is not the owner, right? You have to kind of distinguish the business from its owner at, a, at least at a certain point, especially if you have or think or have the intent of maybe selling the business in the near future or the future. So this is very important. And in regards to do that and grow the business and scale the business, uh, you have to have other people work with you. It's not just you. So uh, I, I want to ask you this question. Uh, what do you, does scaling or growing a business differ from each other? Do you have maybe some definition in regards to both of these? Yes, absolutely. Um, so there, they can be, I consider growth in two categories. There's organic growth, which is where we're hiring people internally and we're setting better goals and we're becoming more efficient. Uh, we're reducing costs in, because of those efficiencies, perhaps, or we're getting better at our sales process, or we're, we're getting better at retaining our customers. 
and um, that's an organic growth model. And that's a very, it is a very good model, it's, but it can be a very slow model. Uh, and then there's, of course, there's strategic growth, which involves maybe the purchasing or acquisition of another company, perhaps a competitor or perhaps a supplier, uh, so that you can grow much more quickly the balance sheet as well as find ways to optimize uh, your business growth. Uh, by, by maybe uh, purchasing a competitor in a different territory, now you've expanded your footprint uh, instantly. As soon as that purchase is over, now you've expanded your footprint. Uh, if you buy a supplier, for example, you might be able to reduce your costs because the materials that you're that you're consuming in, in the production of your goods um, will be able to be purchased without uh, you know that any mark any retail markup uh, that you were facing before. So you're able to optimize that, right? And when you have a larger company, you can reduce expenses by consolidating uh, payroll and benefits um, administration tasks, right? Uh, so now you're able to operate a little bit more efficiently and that continues to, to grow. All of those efficiencies grow when you keep acquiring additional companies. So, so yes, you can grow, uh, you can scale internally and you can ex uh, scale by uh, acquisitions. So that's very important. Acquisitions is going to skyrocket the, the business growth. It's going to take a huge leap for the business. It is very good. And you can take a share maybe of the marketplace in that regard in whatever it is you do. And also the example of, for example, a supplier reducing the cost, which is from what I am seeing, usually companies trying to do cutting costs. This is always that they are doing their corporate businesses the whole thing, the, the everything that is on their mind is to cut costs with their employees, people, whatever it is they, 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 they do that. That's the, one of the top priorities in, the, in their list. So now from your experience and working with other people and your business, uh, what are the challenges for, let's say, that are preventing people from doing the, these things? or the other challenges that may not occur to them in growing their business and the business is standing still? Is it about the leadership? Is it about the tactics that you talked about here, for example? What are the main big top challenges for that? So the, the, it's a great question. I think there's a number of factors that play into why this is so hard for business owners to start to grow. And the first is, is the fear of hiring somebody new. It's going to cost money to hire somebody. And that's a if, if cash flow is tight to begin with, we we worry that we're going to have to pay somebody a salary in order to achieve that. And how are we going to get, get them, uh, make them effective and start generating revenue as soon as possible to offset that cost? So this is a big fear, right? The first person you hire is is a... 50% or 100% increase in the size of your company from one person to two people. That's 100% increase in the in the headcount. And that's a big cost change. So we have to start thinking differently. And we're people who tend to be afraid of this. They're also afraid that they're going to replace themselves, which is exactly what we want them to do. We want them, we want you as business owners to replace yourself with people and systems so that you are now the owner and not the owner operator. 
so that your yeah, so that business as an asset can be transferred at some point in the future. If someone were to come to you today and ask, "I'd like to buy your business," would you be open to an offer today? Would you be able to sell your business today? Maybe, probably not, because you're probably not prepared for it. But people make offers like this at random times, you know, whenever whenever they feel like it, right? Um, but if your business is not ready to be sold, uh, then you'll have to say no. I'm not ready. You know, let's talk about it next year. And will you be ready next year? Probably not, because you're focused on a small time horizons. Our perspective is is heads down on our keyboard, and we're looking at things that happen within the next few minutes, within the next few hours, maybe the next few days. But as owners, we need to have a higher perspective. We need to look at months, quarters, and years. And we can't do that with our head down providing fulfillment services because we're the chief everything officer. But we can do that if we have people that we can train to do the work that we're doing. If we have people that are licensed to do the same work that we're licensed to do, that have the same skills and experience. So we have to hire somebody who's, who's capable of fulfilling whatever role we decide is needed. But I think the sooner that we can replace ourselves within the business, the more freedom we have to grow that business in other ways. Because you're no longer working in the business. You can focus on working on the business and growing it to an asset that is a, has a sellable value to you. Definitely. So this is like, I would assume this is like, would be like some kind of a future leadership, the business owner anticipating. Because if, like you, in your example here, when we are talking about like the business owner thinking about the tomorrow or the next week, so why not think about next year, next five years? How would the business be in five years? Like if we are making, for example, a certain business making uh, a, a year, like let's say a million dollars, why not think for the next five years it will be making for, for example, 10, 15, 20? Not assuming that these things are each year for the next five years, it will be the same thing, the same thing. Because basically doing the same things or same operations day in and day out, want to grow the business. So we need a future uh, leader to think about the future, especially, and you mentioned this uh, exit a couple of times. So do you think each business owner also need to uh, keep thinking about their exit strategy in the future? Because if things happen, you will have this business that you can sell for like the multiples, like maybe 20, 50, whatever multiple there is in the next 10 years, for example, and exit the business and maybe start something different. Absolutely. It's, it's easier to sell a gold a functioning gold mine than it is to sell an abandoned pit. Yes. <laughs> is the business making, is the business working? Does it make money? Does it serve a purpose? If it's not, it's going to easily be abandoned. You know, 80% of all businesses fail within the first five years here in the United States. And of those that get to a point where they do sell, only 80%, one in, one in five actually sell. 80% do not sell. So they're, uh, they're, they're, they, what do they do? 
that's not an exit strategy. That's 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 not a good situation at all, right? That's that's a failure of the business that they, they don't they didn't continue to build their business as a product itself. They've been great at selling their their products, programs, and services for 20, 30 years, but their their sales have been flat that entire time, right? Because you can't grow at, in one or two percent points at at, at a time. And, effect, and effectively grow your business that way. You have to grow through significant growth events. You have to take on more people or you have to acquire other businesses. You have to. Otherwise, you will, you will, you will fail out. This is very important. But now, for example, if we integrate and we talk about businesses nowadays, like there are a lot of, if we talk, for example, uh, employees or staff there is the sales team right the sales team for example it could be one of the best uh, teams in a business but at the same time there are multiple ways to be honest a business can manipulate how their service is seen or how what is it that they sell when it's actually is not providing that much value in the marketplace so how would you combine ethics with yourself as humans into your business and having a business that is actually making lots of money and really profitable that to to actually uh, enable the owner to let's say uh, get more people and also uh, let's say purchase or acquire more businesses or even suppliers to 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 grow and scale so i think ethics is ethics is a very big concern always um but i think that because of the nature of compliance with accounting regulations that we have with the government oversight that we have um, the regulations on truth and advertising uh, these are really important uh, guiding controls to help make sure that business owners behave ethically there's steep punishments for not behaving ethically uh, and this is why it's important to have a set of values that are that are imbued into the culture of your business. And it's the leader's responsibility to keep communicating the values in such a way that people are attracted to those values and absorb them into their lives. So they have integrity. So they have mission, you know, purpose that they uh, want to do the right thing so that everybody wins instead of only one actor or one business uh, wins that's that's not a that it's not a um, it's not a complementary environment right we want things to be sustainable for more people not just just the the one or two that are um, behaving in an unethical or misguided way. So I think that, you know, the market will eventually find out and stop working in that per, in that business's favor if they find out that somebody is behaving that way. Maybe they can get by with it for a very long time because of concepts like price elasticity, right? Um, there may be people are willing to pay for things and people are willing to pay for a lot of things at a lot of different price points because of perceived value to them. Um, but I think you're right. You do have to consider ethics in every aspect of the business.
So how would you look at, for example, the importance of like having, let's say, a coach or a mentor for uh, the business owner th themselves as an individual or like the business owner having some kind of a training for their staff, sales, marketing departments, all of these? And how would you define the best, uh, let's say, the best coach that can one have to for the best results, let's say? Okay, another great question. Um, so I've been a volunteer, I've been one of many volunteers that help out at the Women's Business Center uh, at Florida Tech uh, for the past six years. And I've learned that, you know, the, the business owners tend to be passionate and talented with whatever their, their core competency is within that business, right? Um, but they don't necessarily have the breadth of experience that or education in business or in a broader sense of you know it's a broad sense of business what does it take to run a business they've mastered that at the scale that they know how to do um, but then they get busy and they get so focused on the near-term goals the the one minutes the minutes the hours and the days activities not the bigger picture so um, I think that one of the people that they can get this type of perspective with is their accountant. If they don't have an account, I'd be happy to help them. If they don't have an advisor, somebody that they can talk to about growth, leadership, um, lead generation, um, conversion rates, um, you know, their capital plan, whatever they want to do, uh, they need to have somebody that they can confide in and it may not be an employee. It may not be somebody that they have within their, their close circle of friends and, and colleagues and they can go to their accountant or they can come to a person like me as a, as a business advisor and help them gain that outside perspective to help them get additional vision into the business and gain insights into some of the strategies that have been successful for other businesses to achieve a similar level of success from where they're currently at. And this is where, where I like to play in helping these businesses, business leaders achieve the results with their business when they feel overwhelmed or that there's somebody that they need to talk to that they can't talk to for whatever reason, they're busy, um, they haven't figured out that they need, that it's okay to ask for help. It's not a sign of weakness by any means to ask for help. We want to normalize that act. We want to say it's okay to get help. And I want to offer that help. I want to help these business owners achieve that help. We all need help, but it's, it's, it's a hard, it's a, here in, the, here in the United States, it's a very difficult thing for people to ask for. Getting help is very difficult, I think. Everybody needs help at some point. <laughs> the, the, the issue, there is, there, is, there is a book called Ask by someone called Ryan Levick. So, so basically, generally, some people would help you, some people would not. But you would not know the people who would be able to help you if you don't at least ask. So you need to ask, right? So, so you have to ask at least you you won't lose the thing. Some people would help you for free for the sake of help. Some people would offer help for exchange 
whatever it is but you need to ask to know the answer if we don't ask you don't you're not going to know the answer like it's like i guess dating maybe if you ask a certain girl out for the sale for whatever it is and you will get the answer and it could be like there's a 50 50 chance to be a positive answer so in that what uh, would you say as a final takeaway or If you can add something that we have missed talking about and do you think or believe that is important? Well, I, I think that um, asking for help is the first thing, If especially for a business owner. It's very difficult to work in isolation and grow your business. Uh, you've experienced a lot of great, great things. You've learned how to deal with the challenges that you know how to deal with at the, up to this level, but without new thinking, without a new perspective, without somebody else coming in to uh, provide some guidance. Uh, and and your, like I said, your accountant can, can provide a lot of insight um, because they, they see your books. They see other people's books as well. They understand what's going on with business in, in general as well as the, their customers uh, that they can help. And like I said, if you don't have a customer, if you don't have somebody like that, I want to be there for you. I want to help businesses grow. I'm obsessed with your success, and I think that's that's the final message. Awesome. Where, uh, Robert, where can people get in touch with you, learn more about you? Well, they can go to my website at www.melbournebusinessadvisors.com, uh, and I have uh, links to you know my socials there uh, for Facebook or LinkedIn or, or whatever somebody wants to connect by, um, and I have links to... Um, uh, allow um, visitors to get a free copy of my book, The Simple PNL System. So they can get a, a PDF version of it from, by visiting my website. And I hope everybody gets a chance to read it. It does provide a template for understanding uh, how to think differently about your business uh, in, in simpler terms. So it's not so overwhelming and grow your business by using some of the tactics that are shared in there. Awesome. Well, Robert, thank you for being with me on this episode of the Success Secret Podcast. Very insightful, a new perspective into things and how to grow a business that are sometimes business owners actually can neglect and not think about, which is very important. Also, people need to think of or ask for help. <laughs> so, 